Welcome. Hey, this is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics in Canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 126. So my friends, this week I am tackling the first batch of High Republic comics from 2022, which is in Phase 2 of the High Republic, which is a prequel to Phase 1. So if you haven't joined before, hello there, welcome. In brief, what I do is go through the plot details of each of the comics in chronological order, and then along the way I give additional information on certain connective tissues, such as species or characters or events that connect with other elements of the Star Wars universe, or that I just find interesting in general. So this serves as a great way for you to enter the comic realm without having to actually pick up a physical comic, but I will always say, support the creators, please where you can, buy the comics and read them, they are fantastic. I do miss out certain details in these comics, comics. I do not read out all the dialogue and there's some fun things in the background that happen and stuff that I don't go into. This is just the broad strokes of the plot so you understand what's going on in some content you may not be able to pick up yourself, while along the way getting more information about the wider Star Wars canon. So the High Republic is set up in phases and waves. Phase 1 is complete and then phase 2 is ongoing at the moment but is nearing its end over the next couple months and then phase 3 will start towards the end of 2023 and will run till the end of 2025 and then that's when the High Republic initiative will be finished and I assume by then they'll probably have announced some sort of new thing, probably going back slightly further, probably the Young Republic or something along those lines. But The way they do it is in phases, and that's generally a set of time. Phase 1 was set 200 years before The Phantom Menace, and Phase 2 is set 150 years before that, so Phase 2 is 350 years before The Phantom Menace. Now, I've already released technically four book reviews for The High Republic thus far of Phase 2. That was Path of Deceit, Quest for the Hidden City, Convergence, and The Battle of Jeddah. The Battle of Jeddah was an audio drama, but still I reviewed it like a book. Now, you don't have to have listened to any of those to understand what's going on in these comics. The great thing about The High Republic and Phase 2 is that everything does work by itself, but it does work a lot better if you do understand what else is going on in the universe. Now, I will say that Path of Deceit is probably the most important review to listen to for this one, and if you haven't listened to the Battle of Jeddah book review, what I'd recommend doing is listen to this episode, then listen to the Battle of Jeddah book review, and then listen to the episode I release in a couple weeks' time, which will be the second batch of these comics. Now, Phase 2 is shorter than Phase 1, so unlike the Phase 1 comics where there are 15 of them, there are only going to be 10 of these. So this is the first half of the comics, and then once Issue 10 comes out, I will then tackle the next half. I'm hoping that will be in a couple weeks' time, but it may end up being a month or two. But as soon as Issue 10 drops, I will read it, and then I'll release that episode as soon as I can. And just for ease, if you are confused about phase one, phase two, those sort of things, obviously you can ask me on social media, you can look it up, Wikipedia has a really good list of things, or you can check the logo. So for Star Wars The High Republic for phase one, the logo is all gold, and for phase two it is blue. So that is a really easy way just to differentiate between them, and phase two was coming out sort of the tail end of 2022 and the start of 2023, whereas phase one was from sort of 2020 to 2022. 
So, phase two, it's all set around 382 years before the Battle of Yavin, because the Battle of Yavin is the out-of-universe way we measure kind of time in Star Wars, just makes things a bit easier for people looking in. So, I think that's enough preamble of the background stuff, so let's delve into the personnel. So, the writer of this is Kevin Scott, the colour artist is Frank William, and that's for all five issues, and then the artists are split between these five issues. So, Ario Anandito does the artwork slash pencilling for issues one to three, Mark Morales does the ink work for issues one to three and then andrea brocado is named as artist for issues four and five but then in issue one is named the backup artist and i had a little look around online i believe that means that she actually did the artwork for the peace and unity short story which is at the end of this issue which i will delve into Issue 1 was released October 12, 2022. Issue 5 was released February 8, 2023. And the trade paperback collection came out May 2nd, 2023. And the trade paperback collection is called Balance of the Force, which is these five comics. So with all that out of the way, let's delve into issue number 1. And here is The Crawl. It is a time of great exploration. In an effort to unite the galaxy, the Chancellors of the Republic, working alongside the courageous and wise Jedi Knights, have dispatched dozens of Pathfinder teams into the farthest reaches of the Outer Rim. But it is also a time of great uncertainty, communication is unreliable, and tall tales of mysterious planets and monstrous creatures abound. Prospectors and pirates roam the frontier, and the worlds of Aram and Erano are locked in a forever war. And, on the far-off planet of Dalna, a new threat to the galaxy is beginning to emerge. So each of those are more or less kind of describing books, which again, I've done the book reviews for all of those. I did spoiler-free book reviews, so the first part of them are spoiler-free. Then I give a little bit of information about the book. And then the end of each of my book reviews, I give you my full thoughts, including spoilers, and then give a plot overview so you have a good idea of what's going on in those books. So again, I would recommend everyone picks up those books, but if you haven't got time to read all of the High Republic books and things, and you want just a nice way to understand the themes, the characters, and generally what happens in each of the books, especially the junior novels I think a lot of people end up missing, please check out my book reviews, and then you'll get a really great perspective on the High Republic as a whole. So I'm going to delve into issue one now, and I'm just going to read some of the text from the first couple pages of issue one, because I think it gives a really good idea and introduction to the characters. Then from there, I'll do what I usually do, which is going through it in my own words instead of reading it verbatim. So, not many Jedi remember their lives before the Order. Vildar Mac always said he was one of the lucky ones. A joke? Maybe the truth? That remains to be seen. He didn't remember everything. How could he? He had only been four years old. He didn't remember his parents, and he did not remember his home but he remembered when evil came to his village. He remembered the darkness, and he remembered the fear. Certainly not all of the time, and not when he was awake. The memories came in fits and starts, and he thought he could control them. Of course he did. He was a Jedi. But even Jedi dream. So Vildar Mac is a 51-year-old human Jedi, and he is clearly suffering from a degree of PTSD, and that goes through the entirety of these comics, and further from these comics into the second volume, and it adds a lot to his character, and I think that the characters in this work really, really well together, so still right in. Vildar Mac is on transport to Jeddah, and he doesn't like talking with other beings very much. The transport he's on lands, and then he meets Matty. So Matty is a red-skinned Twi'lek, she is a Padawan called Matea Cathley, and her master is Libon. Matty talks quite a lot, and Vildamak doesn't really speak very much, and Matty mentions the theft of a holy relic. While they're talking and things, a Besselisk shoves past and curses the Jedi. Now a Besselisk is a large, four-armed being, the one you'd remember is Dexter Jetster from Attack of the Clones, he is a Besselisk. 
After being shoved, Vilda Mac kind of notes that Jedi used to govern slash rule Jeddah, and then Matty kind of questions him a little bit and asks why he decided to go to Jeddah instead of going to the Togruta front line. Now, Togruta are the species which Ahsoka Tano and Shark T are. They have head tendrils and often red faces or sort of different colour faces. And during phase one of the High Republic, it's shown that the Togruta are considering joining the Republic. So at this point, 150 years prior, the Togruta haven't joined the Republic. I don't actually know anything about the Togruta frontline. I suspect it'll probably be delved into in one of the other books and things I haven't yet delved into. I suspect, as Kevin Scott is writing these, that the Togruta frontline will probably be mentioned in Path of Vengeance, which I got delivered yesterday. But I'm about two thirds through Cataclysm by Lydia Kang. So when I finish that, I think I really want to delve into Path of Vengeance, but I think think i have to read quest for planet x before that just to be chronologically sound but we shall see so vilda and matty then find a performer pretending to be a truthsayer of bufash for money and things and then a real one emerges and is furious starts yelling as there's kind of yelling and there's a bit of conflict going on vilda spots a sefi steal some sort of scroll from the real truthsayer Matty's trying to calm down this real truthsayer and more and more people around are getting agitated and getting more and more involved and Vildamak just runs away and chases after this Sefi. But Vildamak does lose him. So Sefi is a species. I'll delve into them a little bit more because some of the bio information about the Sefi gets revealed later on in the plot. But the Sefi is called Tay. Now Tay Sirek is, you actually find it his name in issue too, but it's just far easier for me to refer to him as Tay. So after Vildar lost Tay, he then goes back into the crowd and people are getting more and more mad at each other and the Convocation, the Jedi and other Force users and things. Now the Convocation of the Force is mentioned in the Battle of Jeddah audiobook that I did and it's a council on Jeddah that are formed of a variety of different ambassadors from different Force-based religions. So some of the people included in the Convocation of the Force, you've got the Disciplines of the Wills, the Guardians of the Wills, the Jedi, the Lonto, the Falanasi, the Matakai, the Church of the Force, and the Sorcerers of Tund. Now, in the Battle of Jedi audiobook, I think I gave a bit of information on each of those things. I'm not going to do that all fully here, but just so you know, Church of the Force, Law Santeca from The Force Awakens, the old gentleman at the start who gets killed, he was a member of the Church of the Force, and then Guardians of the Wills, you'd have seen them in Rogue One, as the characters Baze Malbus and Chira Imwe were members of the Guardians of the Wills. So back to the story, you've got Vildar Mac manages to stop the fight, and then he sees a Sorcerer of Tund, a representative of which is in the Convocation. Now, the Sorcerers of Tund, they're actually from Star Wars Legends. They were first in the Lando Calrissian Adventures trilogy. In Legends, they were Dark Side users. However, in the canon, the Dark Side users were considered apostates, so they left the religion. They do not consider themselves part of the Sorcerers of Tund. The Light Side Sorcerers of Tund is the standard, and they're the ones that are in the Convocation. And the Sorcerers of Tund call the Force the Unity. And in the High Republic is the first time we've seen them in canon. Now, upon seeing this sorcerer, Vilda Mac has a flashback and then goes for the sorcerer aggressively and then stops and apologizes. Now, the reason he has like a flashback is the narrative stuff I read at the start of this part, where it was saying that Vilda Mac saw evil come to his village, those sorts of things. The evil person at his village who killed his family and that sort of stuff, that was a sorcerer of Tund. I believe in either this volume of comics or in the next one, it explains who that person was and a bit more information about them. But very, very, very minor spoiler if you're reading along or don't want to know. But it's that they were a sorcerer of Tund, but they left the religion of sorcerer of Tund and became a dark side user or rather they started using the dark side and then that made them leave the sorcerers of tun so that's why he has like a weird thing with them so matty then approaches and introduces vildar mac to tana mayak m-i-a-k 
Tarnamayak is actually the representative on the convocation. So it seems that the people who were kind of getting a bit in each other's faces have eased up a little bit, so Matty and Vildar head off to the shrine that the relic was stolen from. Tarnamayak goes about their own business. It's noted that relics across Jeddah are getting stolen, and then Vildar Mac finds Sarav blood. So the place they've gone is where the sisters of Sarav are, so I believe they are species, and so he found the blood of one of them. There's an orb droid nearby, so they follow the droid and then find Tay there, standing over the body of the sister of Sarav. Vildar Mac just goes for him and tries to attack, swinging his lightsaber around. Tay just easily avoids all of the attacks from Vildar, and Tay says that he has mastered force techniques, including the art of Mori Crow, also known as the Touch of Death. So Tay then puts his hand on the chest of Vildar Mac, who then collapses. Maddie screams, Tay runs away, and then Vildar Mac is seemingly dead on the floor. And that's where the comic ends. So before delving into issue number two, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about the Peace and Unity sort of mini-comic. It's a few pages long, and it's interesting, and the stuff inside of that relates heavily to the stories that are told later on in this comic run, and the characters that show up, so I'm going to delve right in. So it introduces a Jedi called Olivia Zeveron, who is at the final Great Protector. There used to be four of them, and now there is only one. The Great Protector is the big Jedi statue. You see it in these comics, it's mentioned in the Battle of Jeddah audio drama, but yourselves will have probably all seen it in Rogue One. When you get to see Jeddah in Rogue One, you see like a big Jedi statue laying down with a bit of sand over it. That's the Great Protector. So Libon, who is Matty's master, asks Olivia to go to the Convocation, because something's going on there. Now, Libon is actually a Salonian, so they're kind of like feline humanoids that have very sensitive eyes. They were in Legends a little bit, they're in a classic Star Wars comic from 1979, and they were named in the Han Solo novel, number one, which is the ambush at Corellia, and they're in bits and pieces of Legends, but this is their debut in canon. So Olivia goes to the convocation and finds a Falanasi member trying to attack the Akombe. Now, the Yokombe don't speak, but they have a proxy there, as well as an ally. Now, the proxy is speaking on the behalf of the Yokombe, because the Yokombe don't speak at all, and the Falanasi member is basically yelling, saying that they use the dark side of the Force, and they're evil, and those sorts of things, and the proxy notes that they haven't actually used the dark side of the Force for generations. Olivia Zevron then steps in and tells them to put down their weapons, to which they do, and then the Yokombe speaks with their proxy, and the proxy notes that they want to withdraw their application from the convocation and leave. The convocation session then ends, Olivia questions it and says, do we not want to talk about what's just happened, one of your members like attack someone trying to go in there, but the leader of the convocation is unfazed by this conflict, and then Olivia Zevron leaves in a little bit of a huff, and then someone enters, who is called Sunshine Dobbs. And if you've been reading or listening to my book reviews of the Phase 2 books, you will know that Sunshine Dobbs is part of the path of the open hand and is not the best person. But that's the end of that little mini-comic. It's quite a cool one. It's worth a read. As I say, I always encourage people to pick up these comics and read them because the art style is amazing and you get so much more of the story if you're actually reading them. And there are parts I do miss out, but you get the broad strokes of the plot. And I think what this comic does really well, especially this little mini one, it shows what the Convocation are actually like in practice. And uh, yeah, there's some issues that are caused by the Convocation and are definitely worsened by them as this goes on. And if you listen to the audio drama, The Battle of Jeddah, or my review of it, you'll hear there's a lot more they do as well. So with that all in mind, let's delve into issue number two. So issue two starts with Matty panicking because obviously Vildar Mac looks like he's dead, but he awakens in a sort of daze. He wants to go after Tay and then opens him up to the force and has a vision of this red doored place and this bug-faced being, and Matty confirms that what he's describing sounds like enlightenment, which is a bar. 
And the artwork of that part is really, really cool. And I quite like the idea of Vildemac sort of opening himself up to the Force and having this really intense vision. It's it's really good. And I will say, again, with pretty much all of Kevin Scott's content, the dialogue in these comics is absolutely brilliant, especially between Matty and Vildar. So for their relationship alone, I would say to pick up these comics. But we move forward. So Matty takes Vildar Mac to the bar, the Enlightenment, and they walk past a member of the Path of the Open Hand who is preaching in the streets in front of the old almshouse. As the Jedi are just trying to get through the crowd and not make a fuss, they get pointed out by the person preaching and the crowd start getting agitated by them. The Path of the Open Hand hate Force users and tell people that the Force should be free and that the Jedi are like manipulating the Force and accusing them of all these things and are kind of trying to get a degree of rise out of them as the Jedi are just trying to get through the crowd. And a Mon Calamari tries to sort of get near Matty and Vildar Mac aggressively slaps the hand away, grabs Matty and like pulls her away. Matty confirms that she doesn't need Vildar Mac to help protect her or anything like that, and then they get to the Enlightenment bar. So they go into the bar, and then the owner, Craden, introduces himself, noting it is a safe haven. Now, Craden is called Craden Minst, and he is a Villa Randy. So Villa Randy is this short insect being, seems to have four arms, and like, it makes me think of like one of those spitting lizards, where they have that thing open up by their neck, but it's kind of got that at the back of their head, and... Yeah, they're in and out of these comics. They're in the Battle of Jeddah quite a bit. You get to hear a uh, voice of Craydon, which is uh, interesting, if not very, very grating, <laughs> I must say. But Craydon also appears in some of the short stories, the Tales of Enlightenment as well. And yeah, he's in bits and pieces of the High Republic because he's based on Jeddah. So Vildar Max starts talking to Craydon at the bar, but then he sees Tay on the other side and then throws Tay's arrow at him because when Tay put his hand on Vildar Mac and did the Mori Crow, he like threw like an arrow at Matty that caught her Jedi robes and stuck her to a wall, which allowed him to escape in the prior issue, which Vildomak picked up and then threw at Tay. So it then pins Tay to the wall, but because there is no violence allowed in Enlightenment, Vildomak is held down by two of the bouncers. Craden notes there is no violence or theological debate allowed in Enlightenment at all. Vildomak then insists that Tay is a dark side user, and then the entire bar laughs right at him. Vildar then mentions the heart-stopping dark side technique, and Craydon says, Tay, do you want to take this over and chime in? And so Tay introduces himself formally, obviously calling himself Tay Sirak. I may have said Ferric earlier. It is Tay Sirak. But Tay introduces himself, and Vildar Mac accuses him of murder. Tay shows that on his orb droid, who is called Scoot, that there is a recording showing that Tay found the body there, and that Tay did not actually do that. Because the sister of Sarav, who Tay found dead, actually asked Tay to help because there are things being stolen all over Jeddah and no one seems to be listening. Tay then notes that there is a pheromone that his species, the Sephi, use and it means it can knock out people and makes them appear to be dead, but only is for a short period of time. So that was a little bit of information about the Sephi, so a little bit more of the information about them. So they were first in Legends in the Jedi Yoda comic, but in the canon the Sephi were first in Tarkin. Now, they're not really in Legends or in Canon that much, and they have pointy ears, they're humanoid, and they often have either peach or lavender skin. So Tay continues to talk about how all kinds of things have been stolen all over Jeddah, primarily Force-based artifacts or relics and things. No one cares, the Guardians of the Wheel doesn't care, the Convocation doesn't care, and then he leaves. So after a little bit, Vildar and Matty then decide to follow where Tay went. They spy on him and see that he seems to be selling Vildar Mac's lightsaber to someone in an alleyway. Then, Tay finds a Kyber starbird in the potential buyer's wares, and the buyer gets quite annoyed and then tries to shoot Tay. In that moment, Vildar decides to go down and try and, in air quotes, help by disarming this seller with the blaster, but the person with the blaster has a hidden blaster and then shoots at Vildar. Tay sees this with a split second to react and actually dives in the way of the shot, protecting Vildar. 
the person who is potentially buying the lightsaber and things then just disappears and Tay confirms that he's wearing body armor so he's completely fine and the Vildar is welcome even though Vildar completely ruined what Tay was trying to do which is trying to find out a little bit more information on who is potentially buying these force artifacts and how are they being obtained and things to try and investigate this matter a bit more seriously. Tay then takes them to the Temple of Kyber and this comic ends with the Guardians of the Wills surrounding them. So we move on to comic number three. So the Guardians of the Wills aim their light bows at Matty, Vildar and Tay and the leader calls Tay a traitor. This leader is called Oclane Vis. He is a captain of the Guardians of the Wills and he is a Feline. So Feline, you know them because Black Sun in the Clone Wars and other styles content, both in canon and in Legends, are Falleen members, F-A-L-L-E-E-N. There's also like a Dr. Aphra comic, I think in the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover, where Aphra steals like a necklace from one of the Falleen members. But also any Legends fans will remember in Shadow of the Empire, Prince Caesar is a Falleen. So this captain, Oakland Vis, does not like Tay very much at all, obviously calling Tay a traitor. Tay then threatens to use Morikro on one of the Guardians. Vildar Mac then yells at him and throws Tay across the room. And Matty tries to explain to Tay what it meant to Vildar and the suffering through a few things. But Tay refuses to listen and then leaves once again. Ocklane Vis then confirms that Tay used to be a Guardian of the Wills. And this shocks Matty and Vildar. You then get to see what Tay was up to. Tay is now sulking on the top of this rooftop with his droid Scoot and Tay is quite agitated about things. Scoot is protesting, saying that Tay shouldn't just keep walking away from stuff. Tay then yells and then Scoot leaves. So then we get a flashback of five years ago. We see Tay as a guardian of the will and he is watching some beggars doing like a little scheme and pickpocketing people who are donating to their sort of begging plate. Now the specific beggar in question is a young Kragmaloid, which is essentially an elephant person. They were first in Legends in the Underworld comic and don't really appear much else. This was their first appearance in canon and they're not really in Legends very much either. But they're essentially elephant people. This one in particular is a child and is pink skinned. So this scheme is where the beggar begs someone for some credits and things and while they're distracted an orb droid then pickpockets them. Now this orb droid is Scoot as we see in the present. So Tay decides to chase after this kid after watching them pickpocket someone and then gets knocked down by another kid who like swings on a rope and kicks Tay to the ground. Scoot then flashbangs Tay and all three of them leave. So then it comes back to modern day. So it shows that the archivists of the Guardians of the Wills say that the Firebird could not possibly be gone and that Tay is clearly lying. But they then get to where the Firebird should be and it's not on its assigned plinth. So Vildar and Matty then defend Tay saying it's probably not him considering he drew attention to it and why would he draw all this attention to something when they didn't even know it had been taken. And then Matty also says that Tay was upset by the death of the sister of Sarav and then Captain Oaklane says that people frequently die when Tay is involved so it doesn't surprise him. So we then get another flashback. So Tay, this is still five years ago, like shortly after the flashback we just saw. So Tay questions O'Klain while they're training about this thug called Wozo, which the beggar kids seem to mention. And they seem to be employed by this thug to pickpocket and stuff. O'Klain says that unless they enter the temple, there's nothing they can do. They can't help every lost soul on Jeddah. Later on, Tay then confronts this beggar child, who's this Kragmaloid elephant person, and the kid then runs away. The kid runs into Anst Wozo, who is this thug that was being mentioned, and Tay confronts him. O'Klain then stops Tay and pulls him back, and so Wozo and the beggar kid leave. The next day, Tay is on guard duty, thinking that he hasn't actually seen that beggar kid around very much. Then the orb droid Scoot goes to Tay, starts frantically beeping, and Tay then follows and finds five knocked out children. It appears that the Kragmaloid, who is called Flim, is dead. 
Captain O'Clain shows up and says that Wozo seems to have double-crossed this other crime syndicate or group called the Namoy, and Tay is absolutely distraught. He's crying and he's like, what has he done? You know, did Wozo leave them there to get beat up by this other group? Or did Wozo actually beat them up specifically and severely wound them to stop them from talking? The captain says that he just doesn't care. Their only duty is to the temple. Help is on the way for these kids, but that's all they need to do. Tay is understandably angry at this, so leaves the area and goes to find Wozo. He does find Wozo, and he is a species I can't find record of, but he's this big hulking mass, but he's wearing like a glass helmet thing that's got water in it, so assuming he has to be aquatic. And so Tay smashes the helmet thing, and Wozo is falls on the floor, suffocates, and dies. So that's the end of the flashback, so we go back to modern day. Tay is still sulking on this rooftop, but Scoot returns and tells Tay to follow him into the Kyber Temple. Tay is unsure, but then Scoot finds an open window, so Tay follows, goes in there, and says that they want to check the logs to find out what's been going on, potentially to see who has stolen this Firebird artifact, and then spots Vildar, Matty, and some of the others. Before he approaches them, he notices this orb thing beeping under what looks like a cabinet. He pulls it out, and then Vildar turns around, sees Tay holding this orb, yells, and then uses the force to throw it outside, and it then explodes. And that is where issue 3 ends. So issue 4 starts with Vildar waking up in the convocation building wrapped in some healing leaves. It shows that he saved everyone from the explosion bar one person who is archivist Zumeg. Scoot shows up but Vildar and Matty don't speak droid. They're trying to work out what's going on but it seems that Scoot's memory core has been scrambled from the explosion and his holocams have been cracked as well. And although Vildar thought that Tay was to blame when he threw the orb that Tay was holding out of the way, after a bit of time to think about things, he doesn't think that Tay is actually to blame. While this is going on, Tay is listening in with an earpiece. It seems that Scoot is recording anything that's being said and is transmitting it to Tay. Tay is being taken to a holding cell by the Guardians who clearly blame him for this explosion and obviously he was found with this explosive orb, so they throw him into a holding cell. But just before they get there, they notice that some sort of sound is happening or that Tay seems to be responding to things, so they pull out an earpiece from his ear, smash it, throw him into the cell and slam the door, and Tay comments that no one ever listens to him. So meanwhile, back at the convocation, none of the convocation members will listen to Vildar Mac. They say that the Guardians have got it under control and that the Guardians don't make assumptions. Even though Vildar is protesting and saying, well, they have history of Tay and they're assuming the worst of him, why would he like reveal himself with the explosive like straight away? This doesn't really seem to line up with what's happening. The convocation just dismiss Vildar and Matty and note that they're going to tell the public that it was a gas buildup that caused the explosion, not actually a planned detonation. Vildar and Matty understandably protest to this, and the leader of the convocation tells Libon to just explain to Vildar and Matty and basically get them out. So Libon then explains that it's a very delicate time for both the convocation and for Jeddah. The convocation are trying to push forward with this thing to try and bring together a lot of these force users and force user religions, while tensions are just getting higher and higher on Jeddah. Olivia Zeveron enters, who's from the Peace and Unity minicomic, along with Libon, and she notes the disdain for both the convocation and this pointless festival of balance. Then the Herald enters, a gentleman named Worth Pluth, who is a Nautilan, same species as Kit Fisto, and he is a representative of the Path of the Open Hand. He is the Herald for the Path of the Open Hand, and he enters with Yana Rowe and Sunshine Dobbs. If you want to know more about Yana Rowe, go and read Path of Deceit or listen to my review on Path of Deceit, and I'll give a good plot overview and delve into her as a character in that, but she's only really appearing in like the odd panel here and has no dialogue, so if you want to find out more about her, go listen to that episode.
Details are in the description when each episode has been released. I think Bath of Deceit was January of 2023, but just go back through the back catalogue and you'll find it, or go to youtube.com slash chat, and right there you'll find two playlists that will have the information that you seek, either the High Republic playlist or the Book Reviews playlist. Or you can just go in the Star Wars Comics and Canon playlist, which has all these episodes as well. So the reason the Herald is there is he is asking for the disbanding of the Convocation. They say no, obviously not, and so he asks for a ban on all force manipulation until the Path's theory is fully investigated. Their theory is that if you use the force like the Jedi do, it's considered manipulating the force. And if you manipulate the force into your own needs at a certain place, it means that elsewhere in the galaxy where the force would be able to help, it can't. They almost view the force as this finite resource, and if people are using the force in one place, it can't be helpful to people on the other side of the galaxy and things like that. Anytime this is mentioned, all Force users question this and ask for evidence and proof of this, and the path of the open hand can never give any. And as I just said, the Convocation declined, saying we can't tell every Force user to not use the Force. Do you have any proof for this? The Herald says, if we did, you wouldn't listen to us anyway, and then storms out with Yana and Sunshine. Then, just outside, the Herald starts preaching to a crowd. He is noting that his views were insulted, not listened to by the Convocation. He also notes that the Akombe were attacked when just trying to join the Convocation, which is something we saw in that Peace and Unity mini-comic from issue 1. And then he notes the Convocation also lied to the public about the explosion that happened at the Temple of Kyber, saying that it was actually an explosion by something more nefarious, not a gas leak. As he's saying this, everyone is getting more and more agitated in the crowd. They're starting to be like, yeah, why aren't you letting the Herald talk? And yeah, why did you attack the Yukombe? And why are you trying to now lie to us about all these things if you apparently have our best interests in part? And obviously the Herald is right about these things, unfortunately, and the Convocation has dug themselves into a hole. The Sorcerer of Tund, Tana, that we met in issue one, is trying to remove the Herald from this stage that he is preaching on. The crowd is getting more and more riled up, especially as they're trying to remove the Herald from this stand and then some of the Guardians of the Wheels approach and then start to physically try and get the Herald off the stage and they are being quite rough about it and one of them even hits the Herald in the face. The crowd is understandably getting more and more and more agitated by this and then Vilda and Matty decide to intervene and try and calm down the crowd somewhat. Then we see that Yana is using a glowing rod, which I believe is probably the Rod of Daybreak or something along those lines. As I said, it gets mentioned in Path of Deceit, go check that out, and the Leveller shows up. Now, the Leveller was actually in Phase 1 of the High Republic. They're called the Levelers, or also known as the Nameless. And so, if you've read any of the High Republic books or any of the content from Phase 1, you'll know that they basically feed on Force energy, and they seem to calcify people, so they somewhat turn them into stone. The Leveller and some of the origins and things is shown in, once again, Path of Deceit, so go read that. So when the Leveller shows up, it causes the Sorcerer of Tund to hallucinate and see all of the people in this crowd as monsters. So this Sorcerer then uses their Force powers and attacks everyone around them quite aggressively. And I think the Sorcerers of Tund use fire quite a lot. So there's this fire Sorcerer trying to kill people around them who are just normal people who are also getting riled up at the fact that Force users in this convocation are lying to them while also trying to silence someone who's saying that the Force can be dangerous and things. Which obviously causes even more rioting and that is where issue four ends so we move on to the final issue of volume one of the high republic comics by marvel phase two issue number five so the riot has broken out there is anger there's confusion there's fear vildar mac and matty are both affected but in slightly different ways it seems to be the leveler that's causing this but obviously they have no idea what the leveler is they haven't even seen it so they have no concept of what that being is or what it could do 
Now, they are affected by things. They feel a bit cloudy from the Force, but they're not, like, vividly hallucinating. And Vilda manages to get to Tana Mayak, the Sorcerer of Tund, who's affected, and manages to snap them out of their hallucinations. But you've then got other Force users who are nearby who are also causing issues. You've got Susali, who is a sort of grass person, I guess, kind of looks like a Mother Gaia sort of figure, and they are part of the Lonto religion, who is in the Path of the Convocation. She was the one who used, like, leaves to heal Vildamak after the explosion in the previous issue, and she is wrapping everyone in these vines coming out of the ground and things, but a lot of the Jedi are yelling at her, saying, look, this is just making things worse. You've got Libon, who's there as well, Matty's master, and you've got more and more people are appearing, but there is just rioting going on everywhere. The clouding of the Force is starting to fade somewhat, and Olivia Zevron is also there, and then she tries to take pursuit of where she feels like this kind of clouding is coming from, so Vilda and Matty follow. While that's all going on, you've got Tay in the Temple of Kyber still in his cell. One of the Guardians lets someone in through the front door, and this person comes in and is followed by an armed group who get in and attack. This armed group are beating up members of the Guardians of the Wills and are trying to find something. The guards that were stationed outside of Tay's cell leave the cell to go and help the rest of the guardians because the temple is essentially under siege and Scoot manages to let Tay out. Tay is then escaping but notices there is someone attacking one of the archivists, Oranali, who is pretty mean to Tay and is not a very nice person, but Tay decides that he should probably help this archivist even if they're not a very nice person and Tay manages to KO this attacker. Back to the Jedi, Vilda and Matty are pursuing Olivia, who is momentarily stunned by the sight of the Mother, who is the member of the Path of the Open Hand, who has got the power over the Leveller. But obviously, again, they don't know this. Then the trio notice that outside the old arms house, which is where the Path of the Open Hand had been operating from, they've actually been using the place to help people who are caught up in the Battle of Jeddah, who are like being hurt, mainly civilians and things, and they're trying to help people. Now, this old arms house is like falling apart, and there are people inside who are trapped. Libon then comes to Olivia and says that she needs to get to the final protector immediately. So Olivia goes off to do that, and so Matty and Vilda are left to sort out the old arms house while there's still crowds of people rioting and things. Then it seems like mortars hit the old arms house and seem to somewhat destroy it, and it starts to collapse, and Vilda Mac is inside trying to help people. Matty is outside when the mortars hit while she's trying to calm down the crowd and things, and she sees that the arms house starts to collapse with Vilda in it, and she yells out. But that's the last we get to see of those two in this comic, so we move on to the final few pages of this comic and this volume, and we get to see what Olivia went and did. So Olivia is on a speeder going towards the statue, the Great Protector, and Libon meets her en route, also on a speeder. They get to the statue, and loads of people have got ropes around the statue trying to tear it down, and they are yelling, tear it down. Olivia questions how Libon knew that it was being attacked, considering neither of them were anywhere near it, and Libon says, you'll know all in good time. So they then approach the crowd in front of the statue, and the crowd are angry at the Jedi for apparent intolerance and subjugation, saying that the Jedi's truth isn't the only truth. The crowd are getting more and more agitated, a lot of them are holding weapons and things, and Olivia ignites her lightsaber. The crowd then decides to blow the charges because the Jedi are getting overly aggressive, and as they turn around and see, the charges were inserted into the Great Protector, and the charges blow up. The charges are at the base of the Great Protector, and you see that's happening while they're trying to pull down the statue itself. There are cracks going down it, and then the statue falls. And that is where this comic and this volume ends.
So I'm currently reading these comics, obviously, and I'm a few issues ahead. I think I've finished issue eight or nine now. I can't fully remember, but issue 10 hasn't come out as of recording this, so I don't actually know how this will end. But if you really enjoyed that and you haven't listened to any other episodes of my show, or if you haven't listened to much other High Republic stuff, I really recommend checking out the Battle of Jeddah audio drama. It's really, really great fun. Uh, so you can check that out on Audible and a few other places. Uh, otherwise, you can listen to my episode on it, which obviously I would prefer, or you can listen to the audiobook and then listen to my episode, then everyone wins. But if you listen to my review it basically gives you an idea of what happens in the battle of Jeddah and how the audio drama runs concurrently to this so there's things that happen in these comics that get referenced in the battle of Jeddah such as the herald causing sort of rioting and things this great statue being pulled down lots of things like that so the battle of Jeddah is a really really important piece of high republic content that especially goes well with these comics Now, anyone who's a regular listener knows I absolutely adore the High Republic. I have tackled every single piece of High Republic content, all from Phase 1, and I'm making my way through Phase 2. I will be tackling the Quest of the Jedi one-shot, the Blade series, um, which is about Porter Engel. That's finished now, so four issues of that, so I'll be tackling that soon. Um, There's also a few other bits and pieces. I'm currently reading Cataclysm, so I'll do the book review of that as well. And while Phase 2 of the High Republic is going forward, there's also the Hidden Empire crossover event that's recently finished, so I'm going to be tackling that soon. So next week will either be the Hidden Empire number 4 crossover event, which is probably the most likely thing I'm going to tackle. Then I imagine the week after that I'll probably do the Blade miniseries, again part of the High Republic Phase 2. Then I suspect the week after that I'll probably do Hidden Empire number 5. And then we'll kind of see where we are because I'm nearing the end of Cataclysm, so by then I'll probably have that ready to go but I don't want to do the review for Cataclysm until I've finished issue 10 of the Star Wars comics so I kind of know whether or not Cataclysm spoils the comics or vice versa I have a very very strong feeling that the comics finish and then Path of Deceit starts so I think Path of Deceit is probably going to be the last piece of High Republic content I tackle in Phase 2 aside from the short stories Tales of Enlightenment and potentially Quest of the Jedi when that comes out but then also I'm forgetting about Daniel Jose Older's High Republic Adventures comics but there's been a couple of delays with those not just for myself but in general Daniel Jose ought to put a post out on social media so at the moment I think I've only got two I think the third one or fourth one is being uh, delivered to me again with that big comic delivery so so next week I should have a better idea of where to go from here but in brief Hidden Empire 4 next week the blade after that then probably Hidden Empire 5 then potentially the end of these comics if not it'll be the High Republic Adventures first batch and then I've also got the Yoda miniseries, which there are 10 issues of. Issue 10 isn't out yet, so I'll do that in two episodes as well. And uh, then we'll kind of go from there. So I'm hoping in the next sort of two months, I should have finished the Hidden Empire crossover events, as well as the majority of High Republic content in Phase 2. And then before the High Republic Phase 3 kicks off, I will hopefully will have got everything else in line with the comics and stuff. I know that the Dark Droids crossover event, I think that's starting in October, I think, um, which is the next big crossover event after War of the Bounty Hunters, Crimson Rain, and hidden empire so there'll obviously be the comics that are in between these that i'll have to tackle there's the bounty hunters darth vader star wars 2020 and dr afra so it'll be at least four episodes tackling what's going on with those if not maybe eight if there are two story arcs between those plus i think there's another mini series coming out that i'm forgetting so uh lots of bits of content as well as book reviews and all the usual stuff that i kind of uh, release on here but um But what else is going on? Well, I have recently recorded an episode of Star Wars Visions Volume 2 with Rhea Carrigan and Megan. So if you remember a year or so ago, uh, myself, Megan, Rhea and Jack recorded our thoughts on Visions Volume 1. They are the anime shorts on Disney Plus under Visions. And then the second volume opened up to the wider world. So it's not just 
in Japan. It was also to parts of Europe and there's an English animation studio and an Irish one and some other cool ones as well. So we just delved into all nine of those shorts in an hour and a half and gave you our thoughts on all of those things. In addition to that, there's a few other bits and pieces rumbling around. I think I'll have something quite cool to announce next week, but I'll wait until I've got that sorted. But uh, Spider-Dan of Spider-Dan the Secret Boars, who's a friend of the show, and he's been on Genuine Chit Chat and he and I have collaborated quite a few times. He's actually coming down from Manchester to stay with me and Megan for the weekend. So we're going to record a couple of podcasts and just hang out and have a good old time there. So uh, keep an eye on social media. You may see a couple of pictures of us together. But that is more or less what I'm up to. So if you want to support the show, you can review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. You can leave a rating on Spotify, any of those things really really help out the show you can share on social media you can tell your friends you can subscribe on youtube obviously subscribe to this podcast feed as well but the best way you can support this show is by going to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat for as little as one pound a month you'll get access to over 170 episodes of afterthought including i think there's eight star wars legends book reviews on there that i also do the plot overview for as well not dissimilar to how i structure my high republic book reviews but a little bit more rambly and then myself and megan have got reviews of all kinds of different things we watch a fair amount of films at the cinema we've seen guardians of the galaxy 3 so we've given reviews for guardians 1 and then the guardians 2 review will be out in a week or so and then guardians 3 will be out after that there's also non-Star Wars and non-MCU stuff that we review and watch. We watch TV shows, we watch live performances, uh, including like musicals and theatre productions, things like that. And we even record our thoughts when we go on holiday places and stuff. So there's loads of great things over at Patreon. You can support the show, get more Star Wars content, get more content that's not to do with Star Wars. There's early access to stuff and all kinds of great things. Hours and hours and hours of additional content for as little as £1 a month. But I think that'll be enough for me, my friends. So follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. And you can also subscribe to the Pop Culture Collective newsletter, which is a weekly newsletter where you get updates of everything that I'm up to on the Star Wars front, as well as Genuine Chit Chat, any guest spots that I do, as well as loads of other incredible creators where we all give like a paragraph or so of just what we're up to. So if you want to keep up to date with what I'm doing and loads of other amazing creators without having to follow us all on social media, please subscribe to the Pop Culture Collective newsletter. Details are in the description. And then also there's Rebels Reviewed Series 1. Myself, Math, and Dave all reviewed Series 1 of Star Wars Rebels, which Dave has seen once before, Math has never seen, and I've seen a couple of times before and then we're going to be recording our series two review next not next week the week after next as well so uh, lots of great things coming out that are styles related lots of non-styles related things coming out but just keep up to date with everything i'm doing by following me however you feel best but thank you so much for listening as always my friends i appreciate each and every one of you especially listening all the way up to the very end i'll speak to you next week with probably hidden empire number four and as always may the force be with you The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.